0: You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a national club golfer podcast. You may know him as a major champion a Ryder Cup hero and a stalwart of the European tour. What you may not know is that Paul Lorry is also a golf club owner. His Paul Lorry Golf Centre in Aberdeen boasts a 27-bay driving range and a nine-hole course that's recently held the Scottish Junior Par 3 Championship. Also heavily involved in the grassroots game through his foundation, and his work with Scottish Golf, where he's a strong advocate of open play, the independent golfer scheme, and a mentor to the nation's elite men through the Governing body's National Performance Programme, he's well-placed to look at the state of the game and what needs to be done to move it forward. So we are delighted that he is our guest on NCG's From the Clubhouse podcast. Paul Laurie, welcome to the NCG From the Clubhouse podcast. Uh, hi how are you really good thank you delighted to have you on um obviously people know you as a major champion uh, a rider cup legend a european tour legend i think Um, What people might not know is that you're also uh, a golf course owner, uh, a golf course manager in a sense. You have your own foundation and you're uh, doing quite a lot of work with Scottish Golf and their grassroots game and giving back to people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about all of those things um, if we can. Let's start with um, the Paul Laurie Golf Centre up in Aberdeen. Just tell me a little bit about how you set that up and why you did that.
1: Uh, Well, uh, first of all, there was too many legends there for me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm not. I mean, I play the Legends Tour, but I'm not so sure I'm that much of a legend. But the the golf centre was a place that it was called the Spire Golf Centre before we bought it. We were members there when the boys were little because it's a beautiful nine hole par three course. It's got a really nice driving range, and uh, we the boys used to love going there when they were a little wee before they kind of got a bit bigger and started hitting it a long way. So we were members there, and I said to the owner one day. If you ever fancy, you know, thinking about selling this place, you know, we're looking for a home for our foundation. We're looking for a base for everybody to play out of and uh, this would be ideal for us. And then we bit after that, he did. He stopped me in the corridor one day when I was walking through the hit balls with the boys and he said that uh, the time has come for us to sort of think about moving it on. So it came from that, really. Um, And I went and got... Uh, a couple of local business guys here, Stuart Spence and uh, Martin Gilbert to come on board with me and my wife and we went set about buying it. So um, it's very nice. We've spent quite a bit of money sort of obviously upgrading it and uh, making the facilities better. The short game area is now out of this world. Uh, we've got Top Tracer you know, on most of the bays, if not all of the bays. Uh, we've got a beautiful new big putting green. So the place is and at the moment, obviously, golf's in a big boom, so it's doing really well at the moment. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Any business, obviously, is is never easy. Um, but, you know, at the moment, it's doing quite well.
0: Yeah, I imagine it was uh, a bit of a different scene, um, running a golf centre to being a professional golfer.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, my i have i've always had some really good advice uh, from people who have helped me throughout my whole career uh, martin gilbert in particular and, and eric heard more recently from farm foods and they're obviously big business guys and they were always saying to me look you need to get some things in place you're never always going to be a golfer you're not always going to be traveling 35 weeks of the year playing top level golf you need to have stuff that you can do when you stop playing when you retire so we did that in uh, 2012 we bought the golf center we'd had the foundation for quite a while we started up Tartan Pro Tour uh, last year. Uh, we now have some, a beer that we do, Chippy Beer, which is doing quite well. So we put in place some bits and pieces that I could sort of, you know, work at and, and spend a bit of time on uh, when I retired a little bit. And I'm kind of semi-retired now. I only play some senior events, which are great fun, on the Legends Tour. Uh, so that was where it all came from, really.
0: Yeah, if listeners haven't been... Um, to this part of D-side. They really need to take a look, don't they? It's an incredible place, um, a, a nine-hole par-three golf course. You've got 27 bears. You've, you've talked about the short game area. I mean, it's pretty something, isn't it? Uh,
1: well, I mean, obviously, we're biased. But, yeah, I mean, my wife and I are there pretty much every day. Um, we've got a fantastic staff. Uh, Craig Dempster is our director of golf, who does a phenomenal job for us. And uh, But I'm there every day. And we're we're very panicky about stuff that has our name you know attached to it you know we've always we feel as though we do things right we don't think we don't like it dirty we like it clean We like people coming and kind of coming away thinking, wow, that was a lovely place that I just hit balls out there and how clean was it that's what we are looking for. Uh, I came I came up through the PGA, so I worked in a shop for four years, I get exactly what members are looking for and what they're not looking for. So it's very important to us that the place is pristine, um, and it is, it's absolutely gorgeous, we're very proud of it, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of hard work, uh, but we get a lot of nice comments, um, and if anyone's ever in the area, then please, you know, pop in uh, and come and see us, I think you'll enjoy your visit, and uh, you might even get a wee hello from my missus who is there every day.
0: <laughs> well, if that's not an invitation to anyone, um, make sure that you get yourselves up there. I mean, it, it has been a challenging time. Uh, I don't suppose when you took this place on that you realised that you'd have to go through a pandemic and and particularly one that, that has caused us to completely change our way of life for a period of time. I mean, how, how did the centre get through COVID and what has the boost been like since the return to golf? Well, it was
1: only it was only a very short time that that it was shut, really, compared to other businesses. So I think if you're in the in the golf business, I think you've actually came through this, you know, with flying colours. To be honest, I understand there's a lot of businesses and a lot of people have been really, really struggling, and I feel dreadfully sorry for the for the people who have lost their loved ones. But we've actually, the business has been great um, it's unbelievable how it's came through and we've had a pile of new members, you know, in the last eight months. I don't know the exact figure, but we've had a lot of people have realised how cool golf is and you're outside and it's fresh air and, and the facility we've got, it's pretty nice and it's not that expensive, it's only £330 a year to be a member. Um, so a lot of people have cottoned on in the area that, wow, the course is in great condition, the staff are really nice, and it's maybe a fraction of what I'm paying at my own golf club. So we've had a lot of new members, which has been really cool. Um, but thankfully, the staff have all mucked in. You know, got, there's a great bunch, uh, and that's important. You know, Getting the right stuff is, is very hard. Uh, but we've actually got a bunch now who you know work for each other who are there for each other who dig in who get the job done are proud to work there which is very important to my wife and I and uh, it's a nice place so I mean it's pulled through pretty well.
0: Yeah and you're pretty much about golf being for everyone I mean that's the key to the centre isn't it and you've been very vocal about um making the game more accessible and um how does the sport go ahead and do that? What sort of things are you doing at the at the center that is helping bring juniors into the game, helping them get over some of these perceived barriers that that keep people out?
1: Well, I think we're, we're there's a there's a big thing going on at the moment about I understand that there's a certain generation of golfers who were brought up differently um with golf and golf rules and I mean you know wearing a shirt and tie to play golf isn't that long ago, really um and I'm kind of the opposite I want I want kids to be able to wear what they want uh, I want them to have fun on the golf course I don't want to see the older generation scolding them because they've got their trolley on a tee or or whatever you know and our golf center is in immaculate condition we don't let people just do whatever they want. It's not a free for all. Uh, there are some rules that really we're not we're not about that. We're about getting people in, getting fun, and wanting them to come back and play golf for the rest of their life. It's not about the foundation. Has always been about getting people into the game. It's not about kind of major winners or golf professionals coming through from a junior. It's about club memberships. For us, we want people to enjoy the game, to play it. We're not bothered how good or how bad you are. We don't care your skill level. We want you to come back. We want you to have a good time. And we want you to tell people, wow, that Polarie Golf Center is a place that I enjoy spending time at. And I don't get people telling me off when I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing. That's that's Unfortunately, we have rules and people at golf clubs that are still doing that to this day. And um, we've got to we've got to go with the times. We've got to change. We've got to make it more accessible for people. We've got to I'm not losing the whole values of the game. I mean, like for instance, if people want to play golf in jeans, that's up to them. But I don't I don't understand how that can be comfortable to play golf in jeans. So I'm not a snob as far as jeans are concerned. I just don't see why you would want to play golf in jeans. But if you want to, man, go go ahead, go ahead. If that's what makes you comfortable, go ahead. But I, I don't get why you would want to. So it's not as though we just let them do whatever they want. But that's what it's got to be for us. It's got to be fun. You've got to want to come back and you've got to want to play golf for the rest of your life. You don't want some guy shouting at you and bawling at you because you're doing something that really doesn't matter if you're doing it or not.
0: How do we go about changing those attitudes then? Because we are, both both you and I, are, are of that generation that um, has been sort of brought up in strict rules and golfing etiquette. And it's those minds that, that need to be changed, isn't it? So, how, how do we do that and make sure that these young people who are coming to the game are enthused by it and do take the opportunity that post COVID we've got?
1: I think it's uh, it's been it's been happening for a long time. To be honest, things are changing, things are getting better. It's just a matter of keeping on about it. And and I don't know if you've been following Twitter the last sort of day or so, but I put a picture on. I played golf at Royal Troon yesterday with two sponsors of our tartan pro tour and I took a video of me playing the postage stamp and I was waiting for it happening because I I could see the trolley in in the video behind me on the tee and a guy put a a comment back saying about you know trolley shouldn't be on the tee that's terrible etiquette now I don't know about you but a trolley on a tee it's not something that's going to change you know golf it's not something that I would carp on to somebody about my trolley is always on the tee when I play golf, a trolley is not doing any damage uh, on a tee. And if some clubs don't let you do that, that's up to them. No problem. But it's that sort of mentality that we've got to get rid of, get out of the game. And I just, man, it just is so frustrating. But you've got to be careful how you go about it. And you've got to be careful how you say it. Because everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's entitled to how they see it. And um, that guy is quite entitled to think that you shouldn't have a trolley on tee because that's what that's the way he was brought up with the game. So but we just need to keep on about it. We just need to keep making sure that we get rid of the ones who see it the way they see it and try and let kids just make sure that they're having fun. I think we're getting there. It's taking a bit of time, but I think we are getting there.
0: Yeah, I've written about this with dress codes and people's insistence on certain dress codes. And uh, the point I've made to some criticism actually was that time will actually do the job for us because yeah, well, the, the people who are in place who have these views are, will no one lives forever, do they? So um, no. do I mean, I've got uh, I've got uh, uh, I, I,
1: I have a deal with Druids, a golf apparel, and uh, they've taken out a, a hoodie. And uh, I put a picture on with me wearing my hoodie the other day. And man, the amount of comments from people about my hoodie. Why can't you wear a hoodie to play golf? I, I don't get it. I, I honestly, I just it, it, it drives me absolutely crackers. And I've got to be careful because I don't want to become over as someone who's sort of preaching to people. And if people don't think I should be wearing a hoodie, that's their title to their opinion. But believe me, if I want to wear a hoodie, I'm going to wear a hoodie playing golf. Because kids wear hoodies. And if I want to make them comfortable. Now, I'm not saying at 52 years old i particularly want to wear a hoodie but if kids see me wearing a hoodie and they think that's if he can do it i can do it and they're more comfortable that's what i want i want kids to feel as though they can wear what they want so that's what that's about
0: but well i wear one as well and i'm 44 yeah
1: so. <laughs> absolutely why can't i wear a hoodie i quite like it
0: yeah, so it annoys,
1: and, and annoys the older boys as well so that's another reason for doing it you know
0: um, accessibility to the game is one of the reasons why it, um, come out publicly and backed open play which is uh, Scottish Golf's independent golfer scheme a golf a uh at the risk of um, at the risk of sort of winding up golf club members golf has to be about the whole doesn't it and although members are vitally important to golf clubs and i don't think anyone would would ever say that there are a large number of players who don't want to be members of golf clubs for whatever reason time money uh, practicality so it just just give me a sense about um, why you're so keen on open play and why you in the video for scottish golf called it a game changer
1: um, when when, when I heard about it for the first time, uh, I was pretty excited about it because I think it's what's been missing a little bit with the game. I think we're always going to have people who are going to want to be a member of a golf club. They're always going to want to pay their fees to support that club because they play three or four times a week and they get their value out of the membership because they play a lot of golf. What I don't understand for years is that we've had people lost to the game and money to the game because they can't afford a full membership because they don't play enough golf and, they've got, and they haven't got enough time. So we've been crying out for a scheme and a system that lets people who only want to play a certain number of rounds a year, but have a handicap and open play does that. It, it ticks all the boxes for me. I understand people getting a wee bit upset about it, the traditionalists, the people who are ah, oh, actually killing golf clubs. People are always going to want to be a member of a club. And there are millions of people who happily will pay their 5 99 a month in Scottish golf and the full green fee to a golf club to play five or six rounds to receive an official handicap. Um, and the other reason why I thought it was brilliant was because I do a lot of golf days a year and I do my golf days for 18 people and I split them into 6-3 and I play three holes with each group. Now, of that 18 people, every single golf day, there's at least four or five of them who don't have a handicap, who are embarrassed at the fact that they don't have a handicap and they can't enter stuff, but they want to, but they don't have the time. So when they told me that the Open Play thing, I was like, wow, that's so many people I play golf with every year who will do this scheme. Now, every time an open play person, independent golfer, goes to a golf club to play in a medal, he's to pay a full green fee to that golf club. So that golf club is receiving more money than it would have done before. So I don't get, I, I, I really, I don't understand the, 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 the logic of you're killing the game. You're going to kill golf clubs even more. It's the opposite. I see golf clubs making money from this scheme that they never had before because there's money going out of the game that shouldn't be going out. But everyone's entitled to their opinion, same yeah. as before. You're going to get people that are for it. You're going to get people that are against it. But as a golf club owner, I'm 100% for it because that's going to make my golf club more chance of not losing money. If I can get people to come in and play and a medal, even 20 golfers a week, that's a fortune to a place like ours.
0: Presumably, as well, you see it as a foot in the door. For these players, you know, you've got them to the facility. They're playing um, competitive golf. Perhaps they enjoy it and they want to play more of it. And that's a way. I, I assume you think of getting them into membership of the club.
1: Yeah, I see it as a as a stepping stone. Um, independent golfers, I think quite a few of them will do it and then realise how good it is again to be a member of a golf club and how much fun it is, depends the golf club, obviously. Um, but I see it as a as a stepping stone to membership for a lot of these people to full membership. So again, it's an opportunity for golf clubs to showcase what they've got. It's an opportunity for golf clubs to make sure and treat independent golfers properly, tr- treat them in a way that they're going to want to come back and join the golf club and a, as a full member because they're enjoying it so much. So let's hope the golf clubs see it that way, but you know, time will tell. But I think the New Zealand pilot scheme, was was it 20% of independent golfers then became full members of a club after kind of doing the scheme for a year? Man, if that kind of number happens in Scotland, then that's why I think it's a game changer. That's where that came from.
0: Yeah, well, we got around half a million golfers that aren't um, connected to a golf club millions in England. So we're wow. talking about huge numbers of, of players who might transfer into club membership. I, I wonder, Paul, if, if some of the concerns that people have about golfers leaving membership is actually more about perceived cost of green fees rather than actually that they want to leave membership.
1: Uh, well, maybe. I, I mean, and time will tell, obviously. what, what I mean... I, it's all very well myself and you know martin gilbert and katrina matthew and and scottish golf telling everybody how good it is and whatever but we might all be wrong you know we don't know i mean let's see how it goes but i would be surprised if it wasn't a success i'd be surprised if there's a pile of people who don't do it that convert into full membership but let's see
0: A good mention of Katrina there, lovely link into Scottish Golf's performance programme where you and Katrina are obviously mentors. This is a very different programme, quite exciting I think in terms of the approach of Scottish Golf, leaving coaching to the coaches, the individual players, coaches and bringing you and Katrina in as, as mentors and you seem to be having a bit of success early on, the performance of some Scottish players on the amateur tournaments we've seen this year has been very, very good, hasn't it? Uh,
1: well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would be surprised if that was an awful lot to do with what we've done already. We've only just started. I don't think we want to take any credit uh, for that. I think these golfers have obviously been good for a while, but where it came from was that um, for a long time, I thought it was quite confusing for for kids to to have their own coach and then have a coach when they went to national coaching or or whatever and seeing and hearing two different views of it i think it's difficult for the coach too because they feel as though they can't say anything so when they approached me about it i said i'm happy to help out i'm happy to do it as long as you don't want me to be a technical coach because i don't want to do that i'm happy to speak to the 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 boys and let them know the way I've done it and my experiences of it, both good and bad, because it's not all been good in my career. There's been some terrible times like everyone else. And I think I've got a lot to to pass on and a lot to give. Um, And just being around people who have been successful at something and who have also struggled at something, you learn, you learn both ways. So that's the way I came at it. And I spoke to them about Katrina and I suggested that I think you should have Katrina do it as well and Katrina do the girls and I do the boys and Katrina loved the idea straight away. You know, she's obviously not playing as much as, as she was before, similar to me and um, loves her country, wants to help out. So it's going really well. I think we're both really, really enjoying it. Uh, we've both pretty much played with everyone in the programme and seen them all at a couple of weekends. So. I mean, time will tell how it goes, but we're we're both excited by it. I think we're both really enjoying it, and I think it's the way that it should be going, these things.
0: Without giving away too much of your trade secrets on it, I mean, how are you working with the groups? Are you giving them little mental tips and advice from your experience? Are you giving them sort of practical um, examples of how you've dealt with tournament situations?
1: Uh, So far, we've had a couple of weekends where one of them, they were they were competing against each other, uh, doing lots of different skill tests, and uh, we set up a, a driving test, an iron test, an iron play, wedges, chipping and putting, uh, and they kept the score, and uh, we had a winner uh, at the end of the day. So you split the game into different bits, and then you have a certain amount of shots every part. So I think it was 10 or 12 balls or 12 shots per segment. Um, and then I was there b- both days just to walk around and ask them what they were doing. And we have spoke a little bit about routine because I, I'm huge on routine. I think juniors in particular, the routines are all over the place. Sometimes it's one practice swing, sometimes it's four. And um, if you've got a chance to win a golf tournament, your routine must be consistent. You know, you must do the same thing all the time. If you start taking too long, that just makes it so hard to pull the trigger. Like Greg Norman at the Masters when Faldo beat him that time his routine went from 30 seconds on some shots to two minutes on some shots. And that's from a guy who's a way better player than I'll ever be. So I explained, I've been explaining all that to them and just, I mean, it's just nice to spend time with them and to see how they go. They're all pretty confident. They're all good players. They all know what they're doing. And I think it's just the, the little, half a shot a day is all you're looking for for a lot of these players one shot a day is huge so if you can get a shot a day four shots a tournament and you're making them from top 20 to winning tournaments so half a shot a day is all you're looking for so so far i'm enjoying it so far it's really good there's a lot of talent out there uh, obviously coming through which is pretty cool to see
0: so it's just about giving them that little edge that little yeah. extra because they can all play, can't they? They can all play to a really high standard. That's why they're in the national squad. It's just about giving them that little bit that could that could potentially make them world class.
1: yeah, for, well, for me, it's all about um, just, let's say they're playing the eighteenth and and they're one ahead. You know, how does that feel? What do I do? Well, I can tell you what you do. This is what you do, right That's what it's about uh, passing on the little nuggets. That the need to take their golf to the next level. Um, how does it feel when you miss a cup? What do you do? You know, do you hang about? Do you go home? Do you sort of? Well, I get out of there. I don't like hanging about. Why would you want to hang about if you're playing the 18th with a one-shot lead and my and my stomach's churning? This is this is this is what you do. You kind of take an extra second. You kind of make sure you go through your process. Little things like that is what it's all about. Because these they can all play. They can all swing it good. They all hit it good um but for me routine um is massive for them um, and just passing on bits and pieces about how to win and how to lose they don't know any of that at the moment so that's the big thing
0: yeah scottish golf is starting to get into a really good place isn't it um obviously seeing what yeah. bob is doing on on tour and, and callum hill and clearly you know russell knox and martin laird still still holding the banner up i mean there is some really good players already on the tours, aren't they and coming through
1: Yeah, we had a little bit of a poor spell for a wee while um, as a country with people not coming through. But this last little while, it's been good. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, talent coming through and we were struggling for a while to get them to go from decent amateurs to decent tour pros. There was a real struggle with that for a wee while. We had a lot of people who could really play at the amateur level and winning the Eisenhower and, and whatever and then not converting that into successful tour players. So I think we've had a few of them that are now are turning into successful tour players, and every credit you know to Scottish Golf uh, to turn that around. I mean, Ian Ray was obviously the national coach for a long, long time, and did a lot of great work that probably didn't you know didn't get seen by an awful lot of people because the talent just wasn't there. If the talent's not there, there's not much you can do about it. Um, but if the talent is there, then you know it's up to us to make sure that it comes through and make sure that they're successful and that they enjoy their golf and that they want to give it their all. And right now. We've got a pilot talent coming through, so it's exciting times.
0: Yeah, well I'm sure that the work that you're doing with your foundation um at the Paul Laurie Golf Centre and obviously with Scottish Golf will bear fruit in the future. And we look forward to seeing those um talented players coming in the coming years. Um, Paul, best of luck with it all. Thanks very much Thank for you. me on the from the Clubhouse podcast.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. Nice talking to you.